Hello, welcome to the Pro Football Show. Everybody, I'm Chris Landry. It is Tuesday, April 7th, and we are, look, we're just, what, two weeks away? Is that right? Two weeks away from this Thursday? Um, the start of the NFL draft. It's fast upon us. We've got some news. We're going back and forth. We're now back towards virtual drafting. We're going to get into that. We're going to talk a little bit about a uh, get to a few prospects. I know uh, uh, we got uh, depending upon time. We've got a couple of guys, maybe even three or four guys. We'll get to as we work our way down the draft board a little bit to give you some detailed scouting reports information on some of these guys. Some free agent news as well. Uh, some talks and scuttlebutts around the league, as well as a look at the AFC South teams and the latest um, as we will take a look at what they have done this offseason and what they need to do in the remaining part of this offseason free agency in the draft. A reminder, this podcast though, is brought to you by the great folks at 401k Generation. Uh, whether it's a 401k, an IRA, any money management investment needs First opinion, second opinions, they are the folks that we recommend that you turn to. Eddie Rojas and his team of professionals at 401k Generation can answer all of that for you and get you on the right track and make sure that you're heading in the right direction. They're licensed in all 50 states, so they can help you wherever you are listening to this show. 1-866-998-5879 is the number to call. So give them a call today uh, and uh, tell them that we sent you. Uh, And a reminder also to check out the latest draft boards, free agent boards, scouting reports. We've got draft from Scout scouting reports and all the first-rounders. Put that up yesterday. Uh, That's uh, all on LandryFootball.com. So make sure that you check that out. Um, If you're not yet a member, take advantage of the scouting season offer. It's the best one we've had. You're absolutely going to love it. Less than $5 a month, you can have access to your own NFL-style scouting department. Well, we have gone back and forth. Uh, The league, uh, I thought we were going to get the reprieve to where we were headed towards. And it looked like this was the case. It's what we were told last week in a memo. That we're going to be able to be at your own facility for the draft. Now, you know, um, full disclosure... I have, since I've been doing consulting work for a number of teams, I have been hiding out in my home office and have been on video conferencing. So this is kind of going to be a little bit old hat for me. But, you know, I've spent most of my time in a draft room, obviously running drafts for teams and, you know, doing some consulting work for different teams. Um, This is going to be new for me, though, having everybody else that's not in their draft room. But they're going to be virtual <laughs> drafts, uh, and we got the word in a memo today, or excuse me, yesterday, as I'm taping the show. Uh, it's it's uh, Monday night, so we got it in today. As you're listening to it, it, we got it in yesterday. The draft will be conducted entirely outside the facilities and in a fully virtual format. Um, so. Um, we're we're going to see um we're going to have the coaching staffs and front offices everybody's kind of doing things differently um might have it at a place i know the saints are going to have it in some brewery that's owned by 
um, Miss Benson. Uh, some are going to be in some kind of a hotel room where they're going to block out a floor or a whole hotel. Uh, going to be interesting to see. Uh, practicing social distancing. I'm not sure that I'm, you know, in agreement with this part of it. And that, um, you know, think certainly if you're going to have guys that are going to be separated, and say nine folks in a hotel and maybe adjoining rooms or something like that, I I don't know that there's much diff- difference between that and, say, having it in the big draft room. But that's the way it is, and they are going to practice. The NFL offices have been closed since March 13th. Team facilities have been shut down since March 26th. So that's the way it's going to be. And so now the most important folks are the IT guys getting it set up to where you're going to have the virtual connectivities and streaming and bandwidth and all those type of techie talk stuff. It's going to come into play. Uh, You're going to have cell phones as a backup, probably landlines as a backup and way to communicate before you take a pick and what you want to do. And um, look, I, I'm having to calm the fears of a lot of folks in the league, but the reality is I've been through not this, but when I was with the Oilers, I mean, we only had like, you know, four people in the room, five people in the room. I didn't like anybody else in the room anyway. Uh, And I, you know, based it on my instincts and my information. Today it's done a lot differently. It's a little bit of analysis, paralysis by analysis, so much more information, this and that and, and I think a lot of guys are a little bit nervous, a little bit gun-shy, and I think that's what we're seeing. We're seeing some reflections of that. And, you know, I think what people are looking at is how we're going to make this decision. You're going to have to use your, your gut instincts is what I'm telling them. You know, do your work and trust your gut instincts. You're not going to have all the information that you normally have. You should have enough. It's basically you're going to really determine how good your – scouting staff is and how good of a job they did in the fall. And I always say this, if you the teams that have good evaluators in the fall are going to do fine in the draft. The teams that have information gatherers in the fall and do most of their work in the spring are going to be in trouble. If the decision makers are the ones that really just get into it in the spring, you're going to have some trouble. There's no question about that. So We shall see how this plays out. We'll keep you up to date on some of the different things that might be going on um, around, I won't say around teams' facilities, but in the whereabouts, where they're going to be and how they're going to be there. In other league news, it looks like the pass interference replay almost certainly will not be extended. The league is also reportedly in discussions of potentially enabling a sky sky just feature. Uh, along the lines of what they did in the XFL, the competition committee continues to discuss rules ahead of their still on schedule meetings at the end of May, which, by the way, I don't think are going to take place um, face-to-face. But um, that's when a vote's going to take place. Replay for pass interference was put into play after the egregious no-call in the Rams and the Kel Roby Coleman uh, call that cost the Saints a berth in the Super Bowl in the 18-19 NFC Championship game. So uh, the NFL referees made the issue an even bigger mess 
than before by hardly ever changing the call on the field. So they aren't going to change the original call. It probably makes a sense to revert back to the original system. So the, the issue is not the changing of the rule. That was a good thing. But if they're not going to um, officiate it correctly and they're not going to apply it correctly, then what use is the rule? And that's kind of where they are. Free agency news, the, the 49ers re-signed Kedrick Bourne to a one-year $3.259 million contract, the value of a second-round tender as a restricted free agent. He was a favorite of Jimmy Garoppolo in the red zone this past year, had nine touchdown catches on 72 total grabs over the last two years, important role player for the Niners, and a coaching staff favorite, uh, far better real-life player, uh, no question about it, than a, than a fantasy-type guy. Really good, solid player for them, though. The Texans re-signed Dylan Cole, the linebacker, to a one-year $2.133 million contract. He played 135 defensive snaps, mainly on special teams. Really good core special teams player. Um, low tender, restricted free agent, won't be guaranteed to make the team. Um, so we'll see how well he can play and perhaps expand beyond his special teams role. The Dolphins re-signed Vince Beagle to a one-year $2.133 million contract. It's the value of Beagle's original round tender as a restricted free agent. The size, the size discussed a multi-year deal but couldn't come close to terms. So the former fourth rounder of the Packers recorded uh, the first uh, two point, uh, two and a half sacks of his career last season. First with Miami, uh, with Kyle Van Noy, Shaq Lawson, Emmanuel Ogba now in tow. Beagle uh, might see his snaps dial back a little bit. The Jaguars re-signed defensive tackle Carl Davis. He was suspended for the first four games of the 2020 season due to PEDs. Uh, 28-year-old was the 90th overall pick of the Ravens in the 15 draft and has appeared in 36 career games, zero sacks. Uh, some words around the league, the Rams coaches want their offense to utilize more than one work uh, one workhorse moving the ball with different skill sets. They lean heavily on Todd Gurley throughout much of his first three seasons, but looks like there's going to be a different approach. Of course, Dale Henderson's not that type of guy anyway, but he's the heir apparent. But Malcolm Brown should see the field quite a bit. Um, Henderson was taken 70th overall last year, but did not run very well. Uh, they, they've got to get more productivity, and it's going to have to come into a rotation. They're going to have to get more productivity out of the running game, no doubt. Um, the Panthers have had internal discussions about an extension for Christian McCaffrey. He has the final year of his rookie deal coming this season, but the Panthers are going to exercise the fifth-year option, no question, um, for 2021 next month, without a doubt. It's just about trying to get a long-term deal. And as I always say, getting one of those deals done, it's better that you do it soon. The price will go up later, and you don't want to get yourself in a mess. Now, on the flip side of that, if you have a Todd Gurley-type deal and you have a Todd Gurley-type situation, then you're forced to eat something that is very distasteful. So uh, that is the, the yin and the yang of making decisions along those lines. Um, Gerald Hodges, a retired linebacker, wants to play in 2020. He's a free agent, the fourth-round pick in the 13 draft, and winded up playing, winded up playing 81 games with the Vikings, 49ers, Saints, Cardinals, 
Um, start at least eight games in just one of those seasons, mostly serving as a backup and a special teams contributor. Not sure that there's going to be a big market for him as you got young guys that can play that type of role. Um, also, speaking of the Rams, going back to them, uh, expect Austin Blythe to open the season as the starting center. He started the final eight games of last year after Brian Allen tore up his knee. Veteran Andrew Whitworth seems to be the only true lock into the spot for the Rams up front. If Blythe handles center, perhaps the the Rams will roll with Whitworth and Note Bloom at left tackle and left guard, uh, assuming he recovers from a torn ACL and MCL. Blythe at center, David Edwards right guard, and Bobby Evans at right tackle. Or they could kick um, the former starting uh, Rob Havenstein uh, for Evans inside to right guard with Austin Corbett uh, also in play. So we'll see how that plays out. Uh, still some work to do and see if they can't do something in the draft as well. want to um, talk about a couple of guys that I think are intriguing in this draft. Kristen Fulton is a corner from LSU that's a little bit under the radar in that when you think about the top corners in this draft, no doubt Jeffrey Okuda comes to mind. Uh, first, C.J. Henderson of Florida is considered very highly. A.J. Terrell of uh, of Clemson and Travon Diggs of Alabama and Cameron Dantzler of Mississippi State. There are a lot of guys that uh, it gets uh, get a lot of acclaim, but Christian Fulton is one that doesn't and probably should. He's a classic cover corner, a two-year starter at 25 passes defended the past two seasons with two being interceptions. Um, you know, he didn't get a whole lot of picks because it didn't go a whole lot of opportunities. They avoided his side of the field. You know the history of cornerbacks at LSU is very, very good. He's an outstanding one that uh, people tried to avoid. He's a classic cover corner, got springy legs, great burst out of his breaks, really smooth athleticism, can turn and run uh, with receivers, uh, really confident when lined up in press coverage. Rarely challenged. Occasionally lines up off, but shows patience when doing so. Good burst to close. Good size to handle big receivers. Um, you know, not great size, but, you know, plays a little bit bigger than his size. A bit slimmer in the lower half. Average tackler, more of an angle, uh, ankle-type jersey grabber type more than a hitter. Um, can mistime his leaps a little bit. He had that jump ball situation a couple of times in the Texas game. He was suspended for the 2017 season after being caught attempting to use someone else's urine for a NCAA PED test. But a two-year suspension was reduced to one on appeal. Um, uh, he's, uh, he later said he was concerned the test was for marijuana. Uh, he, You know, I think that he's not a bad kid. Um, he isn't quite the gambler that a, a Marcus Peters is, but he reminds me a lot of Marcus Peters. He's got a lot of his man-to-man skills, and I think it's going to be a really good quality starting corner in the league. I think somebody that people uh, ought to pay a little bit more attention to, and I think it's going to go higher than most people think. Check and see where I have him out on the NFL draft board on LandryFootball.com and where he's graded and where he's likely to be taken, I think is also very interesting. Also want to talk a little bit about Austin Jackson, the tackle of USC. A legacy recruit guy's dad. His grandfather, Melvin, played there. Uh, Jackson emerged as a starting left tackle as a sophomore. 
Really comes off the snap very well, out of a two-point stance mostly. Really good, coordinated upper and lower body. Um, really strong hands. Really nice punch. He can grab and turn guys in the run game. I like his agility onto the second level. I thought I think thought his ability to redirect in stalk uh, was really very good. I thought he could uh, could slide and recover very well in the pass game. Um, he's a little bit narrow hip, fairly narrow shoulders. Uh, I don't know how much bigger he's going to get. Um, he's a bit reliant. Uh, as a power blocker, uh, he's got a little bit of a Teron Armstead in him, and if he can be as good as Teron, he's going to be outstanding. <clears throat> I think he's a really good player, um, and I think he's an athletic guy that I think is only going to get bigger and bigger, and uh, excuse me, only going to get better and better. I just don't know how much bigger he's going to get. You've got obviously with Wills and Thomas and Tristan Wirfs and Mackay Becton, you've got four really good guys that are going to go very high in the first round. Austin Jackson may be the next name off the board, and I think it's a little bit under the radar because of it and would be ranked a little bit higher if it wasn't such an unusually good and tough um, year in terms of evaluating players at the tackle position, meaning they've just got so many good ones. <clears throat> so, uh, But I think he's someone that's well worth um, – discussing going forward gonna have uh, a little bit of discussion uh, we'll talk a little bit about t higgins and brandon Ayuk, a couple of um receivers that are a little bit off the radar as well that i think are going to be really good players we'll talk about those guys tomorrow want to finish up with the look at the afc south and look at the needs and <coughs> pardon me getting choked up thinking about it and kind of where these teams are and what they've done this offseason, uh, going to start with the Houston Texans, has obviously uh, made a lot of changes, a big one in trading. I Certainly their highest-graded player on their, uh, in their uh, team last year was traded. Uh, if you look at what they've done, um, they have demoted Romeo Cornell, promoted Anthony Weaver to defensive coordinator. Romeo Cornell is going to be around in a different advisory role. Um, they uh, released Vernon Hargraves, re-signed Brandon Dunn, re-signed uh, uh, Kai Fairbarn, re-signed DeAndre Carter and Tyrell Adams and Philip Gaines and Bradley Roby. Uh, they acquired David Johnson in the big trade. Um, they also got the 40th overall pick and a fourth-round pick in 2021 from the Cardinals in exchange for DeAndre Hopkins and the 131 overall pick in this draft. They signed Randall Cobb to a three-year deal, Eric Murray to a three-year deal, safety, and uh, A.J. McCarron was re-signed. Um, they re-signed Vernon Hargraves to a one-year contract, Jalen Watkins to a two-year deal, Roderick Johnson, a big tackle, to a one-year deal, Brent Quave to a one-year contract, and long snapper John Weeks, and defensive tackle Timmy Jernigan. So where does that kind of lead their needs? I still think they need some help in terms of pass rush. still think that um, – you know, maybe a young running back at some point, but that need's been lessened. But right up there, they need someone who can take the place of DeAndre Hopkins. And I don't know that that's possible to come in and do that or fair, but they need 
That's what they need. That's become a big priority. So maybe somebody like a C.D. Lamb could be in play. We shall see. The Texans continue to put together some wins, and they won their fourth AFC South crown under Bill O'Brien. They uh, The past two seasons, they have 21 wins and put themselves in the playoff hunt. Um, he's pulled, Bill O'Brien has pulled off some trades, and obviously the issue with DeAndre Hopkins is they felt he was really causing them a lot of problems in the locker room and wanted a new contract, and they felt like it was going to get worse and worse, and the value of them was going to get worse and worse. So they took what they could get from him and didn't get a whole lot for a player of his caliber, no question. DeAndre Hopkins really paced the passing attack with another 1,000-yard season. Uh, losing J.J. Watt for the bulk of the season with the torn pec caused a lot of problems for him. Um, so it, it, they've, they've got a ways to go. If you look at the breakdowns of the five-year plan, it, DeAndre uh, uh, Deshaun Watson has been a big hit, but – They've just not had a lot of hits. Um, if you look at this past year, Titus Howard initially struggled at tackle, uh, initially struggled at guard, but settled in at right tackle before having a knee injury. So Howard and sharpening the guard from Northern Illinois plugged holes adequately up front, but Johnson took plenty of lumps. Lonnie Johnson, the corner from Kentucky, class needs to get better health from um, – from uh, Kaylee Waring, the tight end from San Diego State, and uh, and Titus Howard, their first pick, the uh, the um, offensive tackle from Alabama State. <clears throat> it's um, a team that uh, is certainly <clears throat> been a playoff hunt, been the favorite in the division, but now maybe has taken a bit of a step back, and we'll see if they can regain uh, some status there. Uh, the Indianapolis Colts. Look at what they've done this offseason. Resign Chase McLaughlin, uh, resign Anthony Costanzo, and uh, acquired DeForest Buckner from the Niners in exchange for the 13th overall pick. Uh, sign Buckner to a four-year, $84 million extension. Uh, release Marcus Hunt. Uh, sign Philip Rivers. Uh, LaRaven Clark, tackle, resign him. Release Brian Hoyer. Uh, sign Xavier Rhodes to a one-year deal. Um, so you look at it, still a young quarterback of the future is needed, uh, kind of filled their defensive tackle position, still need, in my opinion, another receiver, defensive end, a corner, strong safety, an inside backer. Like the offensive line, but depth is always needed. Um, look, this is a team that had the gut punch at the beginning of the season when they found out Andrew Luck suddenly was going to retire. Uh, Jacoby Brissett, he's got some ability, don't really – feel comfortable that he's their future, neither do they. So we're going to see kind of where they go with their future of quarterback. But the short-term future is Phillip Rivers, who Frank Wright coached at San Diego. And we'll see how this plays out uh, going to the season. But it's a pretty good team with a good offensive line. They went from 5-2 and two to finishing 7-9 and nine with a blowout loss at New Orleans in Week 15, eliminating them from playoff contention. Um you know, uh, you know, it's a well-coached team. It's a good team. Um, Ryan Grigson really set that team back, but they've done a much better job under Chris Ballard uh, getting quality starters and Malik Hooker and Marlon Mack and Anthony Walker. Um, obviously, Quentin Nelson and Darius Leonard were all pros. So, um, you know, it's got some really 
good things going for them. Uh, they need um, Rocky Sin to play better. Um, you know, the, the rookies this past year played a ton of snaps, especially on defense, but it's not clear how many high-quality contributors that they have. I thought Parrish Campbell flashed a little bit. Uh, Bobby Yorkie was a part-time starter. Um, Kahari Willis started the second half of the year. Uh, but certainly getting Rocky Sin to play better is going to be uh, important for them. Jacksonville had an interesting offseason. Um, fired John Filippo as offensive coordinator, hired Jay Gruden, former of the Redskins, as the offensive coordinator. So making some of their release, Marcel Darius and Jay Ryan. They acquired a fourth-round pick from the Broncos in exchange for A.J. Boyer. They put the tag on Yannick Nindakwe and are looking to trade him. They acquired the 157th overall pick in the 2020 draft from the Ravens in exchange for Calais Campbell. Signed Joe Sherbert to a five-year, $53.75 million deal. Uh, they traded the uh, Nick Foles to the Bears. Um, Leandre McCray was re-signed. Cassius Marsh was signed. Tyler Eifert was signed to a two-year deal. So where are their needs? Certainly quarterbacks, very high on their list. Defensive tackles, very high on their list. Uh, still think they need help at corner. Uh, I think in a linebacker. Offensive line help overall. Uh, got a lot of lot of needs for this team. I think they need to get an impact player, but they're definitely in play for the quarterback position. They like one of these guys. It'll be interesting to see how aggressive they are to move up and get them. They were 4-4 four and four after eight games this year. Then they became the uh, the first team to lose five consecutive games by 17 or more points since Tampa Bay suffered that fate in 1986. Uh, Gardner Minshew went 6-for-6. Six six. Team didn't uh, quit at the end, so that was good. Tom Coughlin's gone, but um, Doug Marone and Dave Caldwell are back. Um, you know, um, you know, you, you – you're going to have to see a definite improvement in terms of what they're able to bring. Obviously, they had guys like Fowler and Ramsey, um, Unique and Dockway. Uh, just a lot of guys hadn't quite worked out. A lot of it were guys with talent and some issues internally, a lot of issues going on. Um, the Jaguars uh, pounced on Josh Allen and John Jawan Taylor. That's two guys at defensive end and offensive tackle that should be impact players in this league. Jawan Taylor started all season at right tackle, did miss a snap, and I thought he had, he graded out fairly well. Josh Allen quietly racked up ten and a half sacks and two quarterback hits despite starting very early. I think he's an outstanding player. So I think they're – and then certainly Gardner Minshew did a pretty good job. So, um, you know, I mean – I don't know that Gordon Minshew is the answer. I'm just saying for a six-round pick to get a guy that played as well as he did was pretty impressive. So need another good draft. Need to hit certainly at defensive tackle, corner, uh, young left tackle, uh, pass rush. I mean, you need to you need to improve if you're Jacksonville and get back to the type of team that was really effective a couple of years ago with a very good defensive team. We're a quarterback away, still chasing that quarterback, but yet the defense is not as good. So they've obviously taped. A step back. And then we end up at Tennessee. Um, Dean Peace, the defense coordinator, announced his retirement. 
You've got re-sign uh, Cameron Batson and Reggie Gilbert. Release Deion Lewis and Cameron Wake. Um, Release Delani Walker. Re-signed, re-upped uh, Ryan Tannehill. Put the tag on Derrick Henry. Signed Vic Beasley to see if they can jumpstart his career. They acquired uh, a pick from the Broncos in exchange for Jarrell Casey. Resigned Mikel Pruitt, and um, they signed Tyson Brallo, who's a, nothing more than a backup. They resigned uh, Camila Correa. Um, and in a, uh, so, where are the needs? A quarterback, uh, you know, they feel comfortable, like the running back, need help at corner. I think uh, need to, obviously to plug in a spot at right tackle with Jack uh, Conklin moving on. Uh, you lose a guy like that, edge backer. Um, you know, obviously uh, got some needs there. So we'll see where they go. Um, in the second season under Vrabel, they matched their 18 regular season record but wound up a game short of the Super Bowl. It's a good move for them. They finished 9-7 and seven for the fourth straight year. Made the playoffs but only the second time in that span and advanced to the AFC Championship. So the biggest reason for optimism is that Derrick Henry – emerged as a dynamic difference maker and Tannehill played very well and they've got them both you know lined up now got to fix some things on the offensive line fix some things from an edge rush standpoint get another weapon at receiver all those things are what they need you look at uh, Jeffrey Simmons who recovered from an ACL tear to play in October I think can be really impressive and will be really impressive A.J. Brown is a big play guy that may end up filling that um, big play receiver position. Thought Nate Davis did a good job becoming a starter at right guard, took his lumps early. Um, I thought Amari Hooker was very good in the dime packages. Um, So we'll see. Uh, You know, I think they've got some regular contributors, and I think they've got some things going in the right direction. So, um Got some good players. They're, they're a team in the division that if the Colts get good play at quarterback, could really challenge um, the Texans and the Titans. Really, it's only Jacksonville at this point that you look at and think that they just don't match up from a quarterback standpoint. Whereas with Rivers, if you can get Rivers to cut down his mistakes, and if anybody can do it, Frank Wright can. With Tennessee, with Tannehill, with uh, Deshaun Watson and Houston, those are some teams that can be players, and it just looks like Jacksonville doesn't really fit in that mix. But it's going to be a competitive division again. I think there's some talent in that division, players that can make some plays. So we shall see how it plays out uh, going forward here uh, the rest of the way. Hey, tomorrow we're going to take a look at the NFC South. We've gone through the East and the North teams We'll get through the South and take a look at, obviously, Brady going to Tampa and the Saints and the Falcons getting better. Take a look at their needs, see where they are, see where things are headed there. So we'll break down the NFC uh, NFC South tomorrow. Um, Reminder, if you're not listening to our college football podcast each and every day, you're making a mistake. We've got a lot of draft information Evaluations on draft prospects. So take advantage of it today uh, over at um, uh, the, the just sign up for Landry Football's conference call. But the college football show, which we name it a little bit different each day as we 
talk college football over the top, but we go in-depth in each conference and kind of recap the week that was inside each conference. So Monday's a, Monday's SEC, Tuesday's ACC, Wednesday's Big Ten, Thursday's Big 12, and Friday's Pac-12. So check it out, part of Landry Football's conference call, and certainly check with us here as we break down pro football here each and every day. So uh, check us out there. Check us out over at LandryFootball.com for all the latest inside information. Uh, Draft boards are up. Scouting reports are up. So you want to make sure that you take advantage of that um, today. Uh, 50% discount, the best one we've ever had. So check it out over at LandryFootball.com. We'll see you there. We'll see you tomorrow and over on the College Football Show. Have a great one, everybody.